Today's episode is a special episode because Don Hopkins has been a friend for many years, one of the teachers in my own yoga teacher training over 10 years ago. And she now runs her own yoga teacher training program and amazing yoga retreats for holistic wellness. You need to know this woman. And originally we had planned to be together to talk about a retreat called Am I Hungry? And we've had to cancel it because well, we're not going to talk about global health epidemics, but um, I just wanted to say it, this is worth listening to because Dawn has an amazing story and she has some amazing programs coming up. So grab your glass of wine and sit down with us. I have been waiting for this moment for a long time because uh, as many of you who follow me know, I've been a yoga instructor for over 10 years and I get to interview my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Dawn was one of the instructors at the retreat where I was certified and we immediately knew that we had a lot in common. Not only did we both come from a PR background, um, we both love music, we both believe in the choreography of yoga <laughs> and the, the, the synchronicity of having music that matches what you're trying to the soul experience that you're creating in a yoga class mm -hmm. so don had a reputation as mixed master d and I, <laughs> I assumed that reputation because i'm all about the music and and we enjoy yoga music and wine together quite a bit mm -hmm. <laughs> and Dawn teaches uh, this Am I Hungry uh, philosophy in some of her yoga retreats, but she also partners with Dr. Michelle May in creating a holistic experience in these week-long retreats to really take a deep dive in understanding your relationship with food. And um, Michelle teaches it to the hearts and minds in the room, and then Dawn re-emphasizes everything on the yoga mat. And I'm excited to get to participate in this. Don, tell us, tell us. I was going to say, I'm so honored to, to be doing this with you, Donna. Just, um, you and I have a, a long, beautiful history and, um, this is really fun. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of fun, um, to get to bring really good friends <laughs> on the podcast because, yeah. um, I've interviewed a lot of people, but we have so much history. I want to be careful that we respect the time that I'm going to try to squeeze this into and we might have to do more than one but my goal is to talk about um, why you started implementing the am I hungry workshops in your own yoga retreats and and really a little um, readers digest version of, of your story in your own battle with food and the miss uh, use of food in your past and and how that you know we celebrated your 50th birthday what last year mm -hmm. are we are we counting because <laughs> I told I told Haley my daughter that I uh I stopped counting after 50 I'd have to do the math to figure out how old I am this year <laughs> so talk about your food journey and 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 even how that has his uh um impacted your life in your 50s and, and then we'll keep going there absolutely yeah so um when i was young i um was a springboard diver and so 
if you're familiar with that sport at all, it's uh, not only just about your talent and your ability, it has a lot to do with the way you look. And so just like any other sport where um, you're being judged on your appearance, whether it's figure skating or dance or gymnastics, you know, how you look matters. And when I, um, I started to get more muscular, uh, I look back and I look at pictures and go, what was wrong with me? I looked amazing. But I started to feel really big in my own flesh. I, I was feeling, um, I guess, too bulky and I didn't like the way I looked and I started dieting and that diet uh, turned into an eating disorder over time. And um, I think some of it had to do with, you know, feeling like I had to be in control. There was a lot going on personally in my, in my family of origin at the time as well. Um, but I ended up, you know, with an eating disorder that lasted a long time. Um, I did come out of the eating disorder behaviors in my college years, but the mentality stuck. And um, the body image issues that went along with that stuck for a long time. Um, <clears throat> I owned a women's gym from 2002 to 2009, and I was introduced to Michelle May, I think around 2002, right around the time that I opened my gym. Um, Michelle at the time was doing the Am I Hungry program, um, but she was also a, a full-time family physician at the time. And so she, it, it was really cool to meet her while she was just evolving this program. Um, and she invited me to come and sit through an eight-week workshop series, really with the intention for me to become familiar with the program so that I could refer it to my members of my gym. And um, as amazing as she is, she did not, she knew my story, um, but did not say, hey, Dawn, you really need this. It was an inside-out awakening that when I sat through that program, I started to discover, oh my gosh, I still have... I still have challenges in my relationship with food. And I had become a restrictive eater, like a full-time permanent restrictive eater, mm. um, which is by the way, very exhausting and very stifling. And um, it's like, you're kind of perpetually on a diet and you exercise to compensate for what you eat and so on. And so I went through that eight week program with her and um, became aware of my own um, challenges around food still that remained as well as my relationship with my body. Um, but at, what's really cool about it is at the same time was when I started really practicing yoga on a regular basis. So what was happening for me is as I was going through this eight week program, I was also working it out on my mat. Yeah. And so I was able to you know, embody a lot of what I was learning and internalize it organically, naturally, you know, without even realizing what was happening. Um, it really helped me heal my relationship with food and heal my relationship with my body and um, come into a space of just, you know, acceptance and wholeness um, that I had never experienced before in my life. So when Michelle launched the facilitator um, training program in, I want to say like 2006, I went through that program with her and became a facilitator and started to uh, facilitate mindful eating workshops uh, integrated into the retreats that I was facilitating at the time, um, work with private clients, and really just developed this passion to help people uh, reconcile their relationship with food, heal it, and transform it so that they could experience what I had. That's amazing. You know, when you say restrictive eating, um, it, it brings up a, a certain picture in my mind that's, you know, probably unique to my context. I tell myself, oh no, I can't have that. We hear all the time, oh, I can't have carbs or mm, no dairy for me. What does restrictive eating mean to you as someone who suffered through um, 
the, the food battles that you've, you've lived through in the past? Well, I think for me, restrictive eating had a lot to do with viewing food as either good or bad. And by the way, that changes depending on the diet du jour, right? Yeah. And what information is circulating out there. So it gets to be really confusing for people because what is good one day could be bad the next, or what's good on one plan is bad on another. Yeah. And so um, what I love about the mindful eating program is that um, it's about all food fitting. So all food fits, but it's about becoming mindful and letting our body determine, you know, when we're going to eat, allowing ourselves to be reconnected with the feeling sensations of hunger. Yeah. And then all these decision points along the way that lead to us deciding what we're going to eat. Um, what do I feel like having today? What, what do I have a craving for? What does my body need? Um, and then approaching that with balance and variety and moderation. And so rather than it being an outside in approach where someone else is telling me what I should and shouldn't have or what's good and bad, um, instead realizing that these decisions are really made internally. And how does that food feel in my body? How do I feel after I eat it? Mm -hmm. um, how you know do I nourish my body and at the same time experience enjoyment in my eating right. and that's that balance and I think when you're in a restrictive frame of mind it's about eating the good food and you know something external someone else told you what is good and what's bad but then also um, not really letting hunger guide you and not really let your own you know sensations of hunger and fullness uh, be a part of that equation anymore it's about um, you know, being good, <laughs> being in yeah. control. And so the corollary to being in control is being out of control. And that's where we end up, you know, overeating, maybe because of emotional eater, maybe because we're bored, or maybe because we're stressed, or, you know, for any other reason. Um, but it's vacillating between those two extremes. And mindful eating is that middle path in, in that place where we're in charge, not in control, not restricting, not overeating, but, you know, that little flexi middle path where um, sometimes we might indulge a little bit and other days, you know, it balances out because maybe we're not as hungry on that day or on at that particular time um, in our, in our day. And it just kind of, it, it kind of finds its own path based on what's happening in your body and how you feel. Yeah. Well, developing that intuition, um, it makes sense to me as a yoga practitioner. I can feel the difference that 10 pounds makes on the yoga mat in terms of what I can do and what I feel uh, challenged to do. Um, but I'm thinking about so many people who haven't developed even an intuition about food. And when you, when you said, you know, there's no food that's off limits, I wonder if there's, um, how does somebody develop the intuition to really know what is food and what's not? Because there's a distinction there, right? In terms of things that we eat that didn't really come from the ground or from a cow. Or... Yeah, well, the one thing that, uh, you know, is beautiful about our approach is that, um, we don't, we don't make those decisions for you. You know, we're not going to give you a list of foods that you should eat, a list of foods that you should avoid. Um, because invariably what happens is when we do that, we give food too much control yeah. over our, our lives, over the way we feel about ourselves. 
For example, if we eat good food, then we're like, oh, I've been good. If we eat bad food, I've been bad, you know, and it's like, I've cheated. <laughs> You know, and the reality is that's just simply untrue. Food is just food. And we need to take back the power um, that we have given to food to have control over the way we feel about ourselves and, you know, control over um, our mindset. Yeah. And so um, I threw the scale out years and years ago. It is the most liberating thing um, that you will ever do, by the yeah. way. Right. Because um, you're not letting some metal object determine how you feel that day and how you feel about yourself. Um, so there's this self-nurturing that takes place, this you know self-acceptance that we cultivate no matter what our size is, no matter what our weight is, right. no matter what we ate that day. And so there are going to be days where we're more nutrient heavy and you know we're eating more for nourishment. And there's going to be other days or even other times when maybe we're eating for enjoyment, but it's yeah. about finding, striking that balance between the two. So we don't give a list of foods. It's going to be about learning to understand your own body's cues for hunger and satiation, your body's um, own needs. For example, some people have issues with gluten and dairy, like you mentioned. Some people, you know, are, are challenged in other ways with food. Right. But when they let that determine what they eat instead of what someone else told them that that changes it now we're operating from a space of mindfulness and awareness right and so, you know what i don't feel good i personally don't feel great when i eat gluten i just don't mm -hmm. and so i know that i could choose to eat something with gluten and sometimes i do and i sometimes feel that yeah. <laughs> of that right yeah um, but i just really want to have that piece of pizza so what right mm -hmm. but i made that choice for myself as opposed to someone else saying, no, you should not have that. You can't have that. Or, you know, that's not good for you. I, I determined that on my own by having awareness of what happens in my body um, when I eat that particular food. Exactly. And that awareness helps you to determine your decision matrix, right? Because if you, if you have a really important meeting in the afternoon, you probably want to make sure you eat food that makes you feel energetic. And if you know that gluten pasta used to put me to sleep, but I love pasta. But now I will have pasta, but only in the evening if I don't have to write or talk or do anything cerebral. <laughs> yeah, and that, that is exactly it, Donna. What you just described is just that mindfulness yeah. that you have. You have that awareness now. And you also, so we know that mindfulness is really coupling intention yeah. with attention. And so your intention is, I want to feel good when, and I, and I want to feel productive during the day. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm going to pay attention to that and how I feel when right. I eat so that I can have enliven myself and feel um, most vibrant in my life. And you know what there, and I'm also going to be mindful of the fact that, you know, if I do want to eat something that maybe makes me feel a little sluggish or a little tired, I'm going to eat that at a time when, you know, I, that doesn't matter as much. Right, because you know you're in a safe place, you're with people you love, you can relax and go straight to bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, we are now women over 50 and we experience a whole new era of food that affects the way we sleep. <laughs> and wine affects the way we sleep, right? Wine, especially. So I've been practicing mindful eating drinking. over my drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, because I do wine retreats, I get... I get these funny looks like, well, there's a whole, whole, an awful lot of wine that you talk about in your retreats. And, and that's why I think 
mirroring this concept um, is really important because it's not about drinking a bunch of wine. It's about being mindful about how wine impacts your body. What kind of wine can you drink and feel energetic? And what kind of wine truly puts you to sleep? Mm-hmm. What kind of wine can you drink at night and still sleep at night versus the 1 a.m. liver burn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing about mindfulness strategies. They can be applied to all areas of our life. It's not yeah. just applying it to our food, you know, and, and maybe applying it toward our wine drinking. It's applying it to everything about the way we live. That's a really good point. So um, I want to make sure that I take advantage of this conversation about turning 50 because it was right around your 50th birthday that you had breast cancer and a double mastectomy. And that surgery was similar to the surgery I had at 42 that totally kind of floored me. You remember when I came to visit you and we went to a concert and I had to lay on the ground because I was so anemic? And I was even worse after the surgery for about six months. Mm-hmm. So when you recovered from your double mastectomy um, and found comfort in all the wonderful food and wine that people were bringing to you to celebrate life and your recovery and being cancer free, um, how have you adjusted to the change in your body? Yeah. So, um, well, I was diagnosed uh, two years ago, Valentine's Day. So we just celebrated my two-year anniversary of my diagnosis, and then I turned 50 in July. And I was sharing with Donna offline that during that time, you know, people were bringing a lot of comfort food and wine and delicious desserts that were, you know, homemade and they were wonderful. And at the same time, I wasn't able to do the things physically that I was, you know, doing prior to my surgery because I was healing and it was just... I wasn't able to. And so, you know, my calorie consumption went up and my amount of, you know, activity went down. And, you know, the net result of that is, yeah, I put on some pounds right around my 50th birthday, ironically. Um, But, you know, as I was sharing with Donna, um, for me, you know, there is, like I said, this flex area in mindfulness where um, it will, it all works itself out over time, you know? So in the period of time where I wasn't as active and I was really enjoying, you know, the, the beautiful meals that were being delivered to us. Um, I, I, when I got back on my yoga mat, I didn't do it punitively. I didn't do it, you know, because I had to like work harder to burn off that extra weight or, you know, get rid of those calories somehow. It it was totally different. For me, it was a celebration of life and my body and, you know, being grateful for the healing that I had received and the love that surrounded me throughout my journey. I mean, it was, oh, I'm going to get teary. Um, Love, love healed me and mindfulness healed me. Yeah. And so it changes your perspective and what is important and what's not. And um, yeah, so what? I'm, you know, I might be a size bigger. I, I don't weigh myself, but, you know, I, I might be a size bigger and I might, you know, be a little softer right now. <laughs> but the reality is I still love my body and I still love where I'm at. And I am so grateful for this life that I have been given. And the ability to move this body of mine is a gift. Right. Um, and it's more of a gift when you get on the other side of cancer than you will ever imagine, you know? So it really just helped put things in perspective for me. Absolutely. And I bet your husband doesn't mind it either. 
Not at all. <laughs> we forget. <laughs> they, they love these aging bodies. We're the ones going, well, hey, what happened? <laughs> yeah. And it's futile to think that we can, you know, defy um, our aging process. We can't. And instead, we just embrace it, and it's a symbol and sign of our of our wisdom and experience, and you know all that we've been able to do and accomplish in this lifetime. Yeah, yeah, so true. And all that um, lies ahead. <laughs> I know so so many uh, great things in the future, um, mm -hmm. and your wisdom and your courage gives other women the courage to battle through their own breast cancer challenges. There's so much cancer in my world right now with people I know and love. And yeah, I, I when you called me that day, I said, no, not Dawn. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, the, the reality is it can happen to anybody. And um, one in two women will have cancer at some point in their lives. One in three men. So um, between the two of us, one in two women, it was me. <laughs> so, um, you know, the reality is that those statistics are daunting. And, um, and I, you know, I'm going to share a little something that I started to share with you, Donna, earlier in that um, I started to kind of go to war with my own body for a period mm -hmm. of time. And that was very familiar to me. Like when I was, when I had my eating disorder and when I recovered from my eating disorder, but still was really heavily restrictive, um, I was at war with my body and I, I didn't even know it, but that was a familiar place for me to go. And all the messages that you hear around cancer are, um, you know, kick cancer's butt, you know, that sort of thing, be a warrior. And it's all about fighting. And um, as a yoga teacher, trainer, and a yoga therapist, I know it does not work to be at war with your body. You cannot right. be in a healing state when you're at war with yourself. Right. You cannot, you know, be in your optimal health when you are at war with yourself. Right. So um, during that journey with cancer, I had to come back to those concepts I knew so well on my yoga mat and start applying them in my life in a way that um, really helped me to to recognize what was happening, that I was going backward to this, yeah. you know, person I used to be who was at war with herself. And I needed to come back to that middle path again, where, um, I could be in a space of acceptance, what was happening. Um, and to, you know, be in charge of the decisions that I was making around my own healing. Um, and even to love the cancer that was in my body, to love my body. Yeah. Through it. So, yeah. That's an important part that reminded me of a conversation with a healer. He said, if you hate your cancer, you hate yourself. It's just a response in your body to your thoughts, your emotions, your environmental um, aspects. And the, the challenge is to listen and say, oh, okay, there's something not working here. What do I need to learn? Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like you've come through. I'm so excited that um, you're going to get to see my digs in Colorado Springs. Um, you've visited before, but we get to spend a week down there at the Cliff House. So tell us what this experience looks like at the Mindful Eating Retreat. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, so we will be in Manitou Springs at the Cliff House from April 19th through 23rd. So four days, five, I'm sorry, four nights, nice, five, five days. days. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And during that time, it's like an immersion into mindfulness training, basically. It's, I wouldn't call it a boot camp because it's not. It's so beautiful and it's such a, a wonderful retreat experience. But at the same time, you're deeply immersed in those concepts. And um, we have we basically go through like the full eight weeks in that period of time. So the full eight week program, um, which helps us kind of unravel and unlearn some of our old behaviors to embrace, make space for um, a new way of thinking and a new way of being. And um, Donna, you and I both know that in a retreat environment, um, we can accomplish so much because we're away from our daily stressors, our daily roles and responsibilities. We're able to like fully immerse ourselves and have you know these really powerful experiences and connections. So, um, so Michelle does all the the mindful eating workshop training um, and teaching, and then I come alongside her to integrate those concepts through our yoga practice. And so we'll do one to two yoga practices a day that integrate the concepts of mindful eating to help people really um, embody the concepts that we're learning and to further experience mindfulness and, um, and awareness on our yoga mat. And so um, our mind can know something, but it's, it's entirely different when our body knows it. And so this is an opportunity for our mind and our body to connect, um, to you know, deepen the experience and, and really help embody um, what we're learning. Yeah. It's what I love about the immersion, uh, the, the neurological rewiring that happens when you immerse yourself in an environment makes it so much easier for you to set the habits to take back into your world. And I want to make an important distinction here. Just because we're going to be in an immersion environment does not mean we're having carrot sticks and celery the whole week. <laughs> we're eating real food. Yeah, we are. We're eating wonderful food. And so there'll be a lot of mindful um, eating experiences where you can apply mindful eating in an actual, you know, experience of eating and while we eat. Um, and then we'll also have other ways to move our body. We'll do some hikes and, you know, explore some of the beautiful countryside around us, which, um, gosh, Pikes Peak is just stunning. So, um, that's just another opportunity to integrate, right? We can have mindfulness while we hike. We can have mindfulness while we explore. We can have, you know, mindfulness during our eating and on our yoga mat and in our conversations. And when we're all kind of of like mind in this little community, like I call it like the little retreat bubble, um, you know, just so much synergy can happen because you're with like-minded people trying to accomplish the same thing. And you realize you're not alone in your struggles, but you also aren't alone in your celebrations either. Absolutely. And that environment where you're together with other people who are exploring the same challenges and victories mm -hmm. gives you the courage to, to construct new strategies for your own life. Um, I have to add, we're going to have mindful wine drinking. Yes, we are. I want you to share a little bit about that. You know, the whole idea is um, that to complement the idea of mindfulness in the wine retreats that I create. One of the things that I have learned after doing two really successful sold out retreats, I have to say, um, is that um, even though we dialed back the amount of wine in the second retreat, it was still too much. And that's just an observation that I'm applying to future retreats. Um, and what I'm going to, what I've learned from those experiences is going to help me to teach this um, exploration of how uh, the characteristics, characteristics of a fine wine are reflected in our own inner 
strengths as we develop as humans. And um, the, the use of the wine tasting helps us to understand the difference in the impact that we want to leave behind through our lives. And it's really a personal decision. Um, some people might like an Australian Chardonnay and others are going to like a California Chardonnay and they're both good. What, what you need to take away is the, the impact that you want to leave on the world. And so we're doing a lesson in contrast to, to make it easier for us to be able to determine um, who is it that, that I want my fr family and friends to remember me as. Mm -hmm. what kind of an impact do I want to have at work and in my whole life? So um, it's going to go hand in hand. And I bet this experience is going to make my seminar richer. So I'm thinking in the future at some point, Don, you're going to have to come and teach mindful eating at one of my yoga retreats. But <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll work on that in the future. Absolutely. I mean, I think back to when you used to participate in my yoga retreats and, um, and I remember one of your first iterations of I am 360 showing up at one of our retreats. And um, so it's really cool to be collaborating with you again, because it's been a long time and you have so much to contribute um, to this group and um, so many cool strategies and tools that they'll be able to take with them when they leave. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is really fun. And um, I think we're gonna need to talk a little bit more, but I try to keep these nice and short. Um, so now that you're in this um, post-surgery after 50 liberation, what is the bottle of wine that you and Bob pull out on a Friday night? What do y'all like to enjoy? Oh gosh, you know, it totally depends on my mood, but lately I've been gravitated, gravitating back toward Pinot Noirs. Yeah. Um, Washington, Oregon, Pinot Noirs. And so um, that tends to be a go-to, but we also were my, uh, members of a winery called Page Springs Winery here in Arizona. Uh -huh. um, they produce wonderful wine and um, they have a, a couple blends that we really love. One of them is called the Barrio Red Blend. And I think it's like a GSM, which is really delightful. And so, Good. yeah. So, um, so when we're feeling like it's a little bit more special, we'll pull out some of our Page Springs wine, but, um, but yeah, I'm a red girl, definitely a red girl. We've but always been red think, girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I have been staying away from um, California Reds lately. I just, again, it's that mindfulness. And I noticed that mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, maybe some of it's the sulfites or who knows, but um, I noticed that I don't feel as good. I tend to get more headaches and I get like hot hands and feet. I don't sleep as well. And so I've been kind of staying away from California Reds, but that doesn't happen for everybody. That's just kind of been yeah. my experience. And so the Oregon Pinots are a really good um, solution to that. Also, all of the Washington wines. Um, when we were driving to go to my daughter's graduation in Seattle, we went through the Yakima Valley. My family was cracking up because my eyes got really big and I just saw rows and rows of wine. And those wines, they're, they're better for me. And I don't want to make any California winemakers mad. I think part of what we do at our retreat is education on what are the elements that you're looking for in your wine that might be causing headaches or those hot flashes at night. It can be sulfites. It can also be the way that the vines are treated with pesticides. Mm -hmm. So you have to know so much about how the wine is made. But I'm with you. I'm, I feel safe with Oregon and Washington and France, actually. So I think yeah. I need to move there. 
Um, yeah, I love French wine too. So we can move there together and have a retreat center or something. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, we need to we need to do that. I found a retreat center that you're going to want to teach at. It's it's beautiful. All so, right, so coming okay. soon to you, Donna and Don, uh, a wine slash mindfulness retreat in France. There we'll you go. Put that out there. I'm 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 ready to put it on the calendar. Let's uh, let's talk dates, man. Okay. <laughs> I have a list okay. of people who said, when you go to wine, give me a call. I mean, when I go to France, when I, <laughs> that's a that's a funny little. Uh, when you go to wine, go to France. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> and I guarantee you, they will happen um, in interchangeably. So. <laughs> Thanks, Don, for laughing with me. And um, I'm excited to spend this week in April. Uh, we'll be talking before then, but um, thanks so much for sharing your story, most of all. Oh, thanks for having me, Donna. It's been a blast, and I'm looking forward to doing it again with you and having that retreat experience with you. Absolutely. <clears throat> I hope you're enjoying Women's Month at Women, Wine, and Leadership, where we're giving you a seat at happy hour with some extraordinary women making history today. I just want you to know you're not alone. I hope you're finding the strategies you need to live your own life by design. If you're finding this podcast helpful, would you do me a favor? Hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and rate us. That's how we know what's working. And stay in touch with us through all the usual places. Just search 360 Life Strategies or Donna Carlson 360 wherever you hang out. But if you want real conversation with women like you and me, Come visit the Women on the Grapevine group on Facebook or LinkedIn so we can get to know you and make some history together. Until next time. <laughs>